You are now tuned in to the December 26th podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Hey, 26er family, welcome to another episode of the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and this episode features Greg E. Hill. Greg is an author, motivational speaker, and podcast host. Born in Chesapeake, Virginia, and raised in Durham, North Carolina, Greg discovered his entrepreneurial spirit early. He brought a rolling suitcase filled with bottles of Gatorade to his high school and sold them for a dollar each. To increase his profit margin, he eventually switched to selling sodas and with a team of salespeople made over $100 a day. He took that same business mind to North Carolina A&T, where he started an entertainment company that not only hosted popular parties, but also focused on civic causes such as voter registration initiatives. Riding high off the success of his business, Greg left school in his senior year with a 3.65 GPA, but things did not go as well as he anticipated. So he would later return to school to finish his degree and follow a more traditional career path at a Fortune 500 company. But the entrepreneurial bug never left. And a year into the job, he resigned. Since that time, Greg has written two books, built a formidable career as a speaker, and launched the Minority Trailblazer podcast, which has been downloaded over a half million times. So here's his story. Please enjoy. Greg, welcome to the December 26th podcast. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing I'm doing phenomenal. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. You bring in good energy this morning. I feel like this is a good <laughs> interview. Plus you're a pro. Yeah. You've been doing this. So that's always good when a fellow podcaster is in the mix. So let's get into it. Who always. is Greg E. Hill? Oh, a culture change agent, a legend, uh, one of one, just like I, t- I empower everybody. Um, I always believe that. I live by that. And it doesn't sound like come off. I hope it don't come off as arrogant, whatever, because I always tell people my all my books, remember your genius, remember your genius again. The next book, remember your legend. And I always believe, yo, everybody on this planet Earth is a one of one. So um, that's I start off that first caveat. The second caveat, man, I'm a Durham kid, born and raised. No, born in VA, uh, the city of lovers. Uh, and then but I'm raising the bull from Bull City. Through and through. Um, I do everything for my city, do everything for my fam, and most importantly, do everything for God. Um, do you want to be too deep into the to everything else? Or you just is that enough? We can start there. We we tend to get deep on this show, but I think that's enough to jump off from. So help me understand okay. what you mean when you say one of one. One of one is just uh, I mean, everybody, if you look, everybody, if you look at your hands, I mean, for the most part. 99 percent everybody has like different fingerprints different thoughts different patterns different experiences different life things so I'm always big on one of one that's why I'm a, I'm my biggest I'm a biggest hype man I'm my biggest uh lover of myself because at the end of the day I mean if we all just 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 t- take a step back and we just every day say okay how can I get better who am I now? What do I love? What do I love to do? What makes me tick? What gives me energy? What takes away energy? If we assess these things as we should, one of one, not, I mean, influencers, they can add a little bit. They can inspire you and motivate you, but they can't give you the blueprint of your life because they don't know, you know yourself. And a lot of the self-discovery stuff that people avoid, I don't know why, but you avoid, that's the gap between who you are, who you should be, who God has called you to be. So I always lead with the one of one context because the more you get to know yourself, because you already know yourself, you know what, what makes you smile, you know what makes you cry, you know what moves you, but a lot of times we ignore it. So that's when we end up in bad relationships. We end up in bad financial situations, bad this, because we just ignored the sign. So the more we realize we are customized, we are one of one, we are legendary, we are this, the more we can really attack and be the people that God has called us to be or whoever you believe in the universe has called you to be. That's good. Now, 
I think a lot of people who come on this show have a similar belief, but they've come to that realization later in their journey. So talk to me a bit about your upbringing. Did you feel like you had legend status and knew that there was a call or a vision for your life very early? Always. Um, I think I made that decision. I think God already gave it to me. God gave it to everybody. I think, I'm, it, but it was made for me at, at like 14. Um, I'm from Durham, single parent household until around six or seven years old. I got to get that right because I need to figure out when my stepdad came in my life. I always, in these, I'm like, yo, when did he come in my life? But six or seven years old. And then uh, my stepdad came through and he's my dad. Like, I don't even call stepdad. That's my dad. You know, he, military background. I was soft growing up. I was just raised by all women. Um, and I know some people be like, oh my God, don't, you don't use that language, blah, blah, blah. But no, that, that's what it was. I was soft. Um, and then I had a, a very strict dad from the country. He, so he, kept, he taught me how to really be a man. Um, some may deem it toxic nowadays, but it was, it was what I needed to really um, understand how to move, how to respect people, how to be kind and things of that nature. Um, fast forward to uh, 13 or 14, rather, that's when I started selling sodas because I realized uh, I'm around eighth grade. I was, I'm six, three, six, four now, uh, depending on the day, depending on the shoes. But in eighth grade, I was his height. So I said, I shoot, I thought I was about to be six, nine. I thought I'd be out of here, league bound. But then I just really stopped growing uh, around ninth grade. I was like, yo, I might just stay at six, three, six, four. And I was like, with my skills, I can be D1, but I don't know if I'm going to the league. So I said, how am I going to leave my mark? And I always, for some reason, that's always been in my, my, my spirit of how do I leave my mark? How do I leave my mark? Because luckily, here's a gift. I didn't have any mentors growing up. I didn't have too many role models outside my dad. And I love my dad, but I really had no guiding lights. And I think that was a positive for me. So I didn't, I said, I, I, I could create my own legend. I didn't have, I didn't have to say, I'm going to be like my father. I'm going to be like this. I was like, no, I'm going to be like Greg. So at 14, that's when we started selling. So I said, yo, I made a decision like, yo, we can control our own destiny. I want to do business. I don't know why. I just said, I looked online. I said, yo, people in Wall Street, they wear suits. They look like they're doing cool stuff. They're like the guy bread. Let me do that. So we started selling souls. Um, we ended up making $100 a day. Had a team of eight people selling sodas for me. We would come. Uh, my boy Jamal Warlaw riding his whip. I would have like eight duffel bags all filled with sodas every single day, anywhere from 16 to 24 sodas in each duffel bag. Real people know I really started with Gatorades, but we evolved from Gatorades because the, pri the price margin was uh, higher with, with sodas. It was, And yo, that's when the legend began. Um, we we had the whole school moving. We shut down Coca-Cola. We had to, they literally, Coca-Cola was like, yo, we're not making no money. It was like, yo, well, G Hill had it on, on lock and I was giving people 20 to 25%. So every day they would just come, give me give me the bread, put it. And the thing is, I didn't even have a car. So I was, my boy was taking me to that and my mom. So that's kind of that's kind of where the journey began. And I realized that, A, I was going to create my own narrative. Um, Even now, like I knew what well, I knew I was going to be where I'm now back then. And I know kind of where I'm going, God willing. So um, I never let anybody define that for me. So let's unpack the soda thing a bit. So you're in high school at this point. Yeah, my high school. Where are, you, where are you? Where are you getting the soda from? Like you just getting it from? Oh, like, Food Line. Store, That's the crazy okay. thing about it. Oh, yeah, Food Line. It was crazy thing. It was right across the street from the school. Uh, they had these six packs of like sixteen point nine for two for two for four. So two six packs of four dollars. So that, that I mean, do the math. That's that's twelve dollars and only putting them four. So that profit margin is crazy. And that's the th thing about it. Nobody ever battled me because my personality. I and I gave people twenty to twenty five percent. So they didn't have to do anything. All they had to do was show up. Because I always thought like, why didn't anybody else just go to the school line? But I mean, I had. That's why I kept getting more workers and more workers. And it was a solid eight, but sometimes more than eight. But I just make sure I kept people happy. Um, because I'm not from the streets, but I understand. I understand. I understand the streets. Um. And my bloodlines is from the streets to a certain degree, from Milwaukee, from Fond du Lac Ave. You know Milwaukee, you know Fond du Lac, get it in. So um, I just I just always had the mentality. So yeah, yeah, that's where I got it from. Now, we all know in high school, they encourage people to reach for their dreams and, you know, go for the gold. But they're not always too keen 
on students being enterprising. Let's just say that during school yeah. hours. Especially if you're black. So, they're more right. enterprising so, now. Now they are. It's crazy. Yeah. They got funds and grants. I'm like, damn, where the hell that was that when I was there? Exactly. So Coca-Cola flagged this school like we're not making any money here. Did the administration come down on you at some point? Oh, yeah. You already know. They came down. Um, It was crazy. I tell everybody it's in my book, right? It was kind of like, if you've seen um, American Gangster when Frank Lucas got put down, it was like, Greg Hill needs to report to the office. And then like, and on, on every intercom. And I was like, dang. I was like, what happened? I was thinking, I was like, they found, because they tried to shut me down and I kept avoiding it. But then they found, they found a, like a whole thing of soda. They had a whole syndicate. Like, no, if you see anybody with book bag, I mean, double bag, stop them. But they found a bag of sodas under the stairway outside. So then they got, they had me, they finally, because they never could catch me with the work. They never could. And then they, and it just, they looked at the cameras, they saw me, whatever. So I had to go and it, it was just like, everybody knew what was going on. And Principal Key sat down and they was trying to make it look like I was selling drugs. I was pissed off. I was like, bro, y'all, act, I mean, I'm just making some bread selling sodas, but they, they drilled me. Um, and they, they eventually shut it down. They called my parents and all the stuff, try to suspend me and all that good stuff, man. But shout out to Principal Key, because now, I mean, I mean, he's like, He's a, he's a good guy. He believe in me. Um, I do a lot of stuff for the city of Durham and specifically my schools. So it's it's crazy how it, the circle things. But yeah, they you would make you would think I was selling kilos the way that it was like literally had all these SRO officers, all these people. I'm like, bro, like it's crazy. Not the school resource officer. Yeah, the SROs on me. Like I got delivered to this. I was like, yo, y'all for real right now? Like. <laughs> So that for for a high school student, that's a lot of money like to be made on a day to day basis and a pretty easy hustle. So they shut that that down. But one thing I know is that when somebody's enterprising and they have an entrepreneurial spirit, that doesn't just go away because this vision is no longer um, valuable or feasible. So what did you turn to next? Oh, polos. Um, I, I went online with the dhgate.com. I realized that was right when um, Young Dro and polos was just popping. This was around 2006, 2007. Polos was like, polos is still popping, but there was every kid had polo. Um, and I realized I can get them from China for 6,000 a pair. So I used my, my, my soda bread to go uh, to put all it online. And I was importing polos from China. Um, I would import them and I was selling for 20, getting them for six. So I had them in my trunk. I still got pictures to this day. I had, I had the polos in my trunk and we would just get it in. <laughs> How were you importing polos from China as a teenager? Literally, I mean, I, I just, like I tell all the kids when I go, I'm like, yo, just use, utilize the internet. This is why we had dial up. I was like, yo, I just type in polos. And I realized I was like, yo, they selling for $6 a pair. So I just put in my order. I had a debit card. Put them on order, um, and they came. And, it, and it's crazy. Side, side, side note story. I actually did. I tried to do the same thing in college with iPhones from China, but I got burnt. I lost all my money because I tried to. I always like to get away from the middleman. DHG was a middleman a little bit, so I tried to go directly to the source with China. And that only works when you actually go to China and get it. I tried right. to, and they just took my money. They just took my money because I just, I, I did, you know, the Western Union, Western Union and the bread, I never heard from again. <laughs> and and we've had multiple people on this show who, who've who had that story, the trial and error of trying to make it work with a, a man, a distributor, <laughs> a manufacturer, a wholesaler. Hey, Frank Lewis went there. You know, I said, if, if I knew what, like, if I knew what I knew now, I was already ahead of my time, but I really would probably like, so my parents, I would have booked the flight. I would have went there and got it myself. Because there's real connects in China. But if you don't go there, oh, they're going to take your money. <laughs> right. Exactly. So you had the polo hustle. As your, your high school tenure is coming to a close, was it like not a question, I'm going to college? Or did you have aspirations outside of that? Like, maybe I'll just go into business. Nah, nah. I always wanted to go to college. I didn't. I still didn't. I knew that that was going to unlock everything. I needed a bigger horizon. I didn't know where I wanted to go to school. My parents didn't go to school, but um, 
I went to uh, the hours went to Aggie. I'm from Durham, so I went to the North Carolina A&T State University and North Carolina Central University's uh, uh, football game, and that's a huge football game down south. Two of the, the top uh, HBCUs, historic black college and universities, and I saw Golden Delights, and I'm like, oh my god, they they bad. Like every time I went, I was like, oh, A&T would just love that, and I went there from a summer program because I had an aunt that um that uh, that uh that put me on and it was just like family i had opportunities to go to some pwis because i was in all this context even though i was a hustler i still had great grades in high school um so i was like hmm. but let me go i always i always wanted to be a big fish in a small pond that's why i'm in durham north carolina i i can i can live in new york and all this other stuff but i don't want to do there i don't believe in that I, like i really wanted to be a big fish in a small pond and even though auntie's not a small pond it was it was it gave me the confidence and emboldened me as a black man to to take risk, and I knew that I was going to be able to come there and really make a mark, uh, make a make a huge mark. And if I, if I went to UNC, if you're not no athlete, if you if you're not an athlete, your mark is going to be muted. But I know if I went to ANT, if you pledge or you do other things, you can you can live forever. So I'm always trying to live forever. So let me go to the T. So you go to the great North Carolina ANT. Uh, what was your concentration? Were you like, you know, I'm just going to study business, or were you thinking about something else? Nah, business. It was always going to be business. Um, business and it was first it was business management freshman year, but then I realized like you only get management experience while being a manager. So I don't need to study business management. You only get that by managing people. And then I th- I thought there was more scholarship money in um in economics. So I had like seventy percent of my school paid for seventy five percent. So I was almost on a full ride outside of like a couple things uh for the first three years until I started wild and senior year. So yeah, it was always going to be there. It was always going to be uh, business and yeah, that's where I was. But we'll definitely get to the senior year wild out because that seems like a late, you were a late bloomer on the on the wild and out front. But before we get there. No, nah, yeah. I was always a wild boy. I was always, but the thing is, I tell people those times, like, I'm not like wild in the sense of doing like wild and crazy things that some may think. It's just my energy and the things I do, I was always, I'm really a basic guy, but I had wild, I just wild ambitious, wild energy, wild thoughts of what I wanted to do. But in reality, I'm just a, a, a basic really dude, but continue. So you had your first internship, right? After... <laughs> Freshman yep. year, paid internship, mm-hmm. and then the entrepreneurial bug hit you again. Yeah, yeah. So it was really, it was really my sophomore year, like my first freshman year. First, my freshman year, uh, I had a like three six, so I was cool. I was in class college easily. Like, Yo, college easier than high school. So uh, first year, blew through it. I had like three jobs that summer. I worked uh, at a bar, um, cleaning up at a bar. Um, I'm, one of the guys I met, he exposed me. He was like, he was, a, he was a Wall Street trader. He was telling me about like the stock market. And I mean, this dude, he was a dude when he was young at 21. Every day he was flying to New York. He had a, 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 a he would wake up in Raleigh and then North Carolina, fly to New York, do stocks and come back at night. Like he was a boss. Um, he kind of was like, yo, so I was trading stocks. At 18, um, had my own, had my own brokerage account, and then also I I I painted um cylinders, gas cylinders in the morning. Then I went to the bar. Then at night I went, I worked at a um like a little restaurant in the same place. So we worked, we stacked up, and then sophomore year, that's when I had the opportunity through the MLT program to uh to work at General Electric in Atlanta. So yep, I worked at General Electric in Atlanta. It's phenomenal experience. Um, I didn't get the invite back. I probably closed the door on that because I was wild and the interest. I was like, <laughs> like just just as far as my mindset, understanding corporate. But the crazy thing is by my junior year, I realized the mistakes that I made. So junior year I had an opportunity with Johnson & Johnson in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Shout out to the SEO sponsors for Educational Opportunity Program. They put me on with uh, Johnson & Johnson. And that internship was night and day. I was there every morning at five o'clock, five, 4.30 to 5 a.m. 
Um, I was the first one emailing my manager, stuff like that. Meetings, I was prepared. I set a tone for the meetings. I got the job um, fresh fresh out of that. I mean, I had the job offer going into my senior year. So that's on the corporate side. On the business side, um, sophomore year after Atlanta, we came back from Atlanta. It was 2009. Me and my line brother, Julian Love, shout out Julian Love. We was like, yo, let's start throwing parties. Like, because I was, I, I crossed fraternity then. And there was an OG of mine, um, shout out to Hurricane New with Next Level. They was throwing parties, but they won't, you won't get no money with them. I was like, bruh. Like, that don't make sense. I'm selling thousand dollars of tickets, but I get nothing. I'm that ain't gonna be me. So I said, bump it. We're gonna start our own joint. And we started our own joint. Um, at our peak, we had over 100 interns. And the crazy thing is, I knew it was gonna be like this. So I have it's all online. The, the videos, the YouTube, that you can nothing I say cannot be looked back on. Cause I just always knew people would hear my story and be like, yo, like it, it, no, it really did happen. So um, yeah, then that that and to, real briefly on the join me entertainment experience, uh, it was a it was a crazy experience. A lot of highs, a lot of lows. Uh, we we changed the whole climate as far as voting in Greensboro. Um, one senator challenge, she said, "All y'all do is party, y'all don't vote." I said, "All right, we're gonna change that." Boom, that night we had a team. We had the whole, we marched to the polls and creating voters voting in Greensboro like three hundred percent that year. We just wow. A button. Um, volunteering, did all that stuff. It's all online, all documented. And we just changed the whole culture while at AT just to just that's what we was on. We was on like what people are on now. We had live bands, um, food, all that stuff in college. Like we was poetry nights. We really did that. And it's, it's all documented. It's crazy. Shout out to AT. Shout out to all my people, all my people enjoying me. AT, man, I love y'all. And we just had a ball, man. We was it, it wasn't about being cool, it was about being yourself. Like we had all honest students and whatnot in a majority. And um, yeah, it was a great time. Well, let me just back up and say, as a former J&J intern employee, one of the best employment, if, if you're going to go corporate, one of the best corporate experiences I've ever had. Started uh-huh. my career there, and I thought that was the norm until I went somewhere else. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. no. Like, J&J yeah. lives by its credo. So uh, we all know corporate has its challenges, but I will agree with you there. One of the, the best experiences as, as an intern. Um, but one thing I know is that when you find success in a non-traditional way. So, you know, we've been taught, like, go to school, get a degree, get this job, you know, be a dues-paying member, work your way up, and you too can live well. But when you find success early, lots of times you start to ask questions like, well, do I really need school? Do I really need a traditional career? Did you have that internal dialogue? Oh, definitely. Um, That happened my senior year. I got back from an internship with Johnson & Johnson, had the full-time offer, but I'm a big reader. And I read, like, the, I I read the Steve Jobs book um, I read my, Malcolm X and I, I, I researched Martin Luther King and I was like, I'm on APAV. Like what with the stuff I'm doing? I don't really need school like that. I looked at P Diddy and stuff like that. People call me G Diddy, even though I'm not, I'm, I did the parties, but I really wasn't like Diddy. He really liked the party, like being on tables, popping bottles. That's not my energy. I like being in the back. I'm more like a Jay-Z try to be in the back. I, I'm a mix, but in my natural sp- space is not to be like, yo, what up G? Nah, uh, um, so but yeah, I was like, yo, I really don't need school. So that's when I kind of checked out. Senior year, I had a 3.65 GPA. Um, and I basically was like, yo, I only need school. So I stopped going uh, to class like that. I just was hosting parties, hosting events. Um, and that, that, that went from supposed to graduate in four years to graduating in seven years and still seeing like my interns, the people that I put on, I'm, 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 I'm attending their graduations. And they're like, yo, G, you still here. You still here. You still here. So uh, that's why, I, I mean, I'm grateful for that experience. Because I've lived a lot of lives, you feel me? I've been the honor roll, straight A student, almost on a full ride to 0.0 and like living on couches and, and sleeping in cars and all in like a year time. It was like you went to face of campus to then in six months, you just, you on suicide alert. But I mean, 
I think that was that was my narrative. That's my story. So that's why um, I just that's just that's just the way it is. That's the way it played out. So what were your parents saying after you you go from being this really ambitious student to to couch surfing? How did they feel about that? I mean. I mean, I think at this point, I mean, I displayed kind of who I was this my entire life. So they just say, you just got to, you got to learn. We're going to be here to support you either way. Um, but, yo, just, they never experienced nothing like that. They ain't, the kids, nobody, there was nobody they can go to. Like, yo, how do you rule this in? Because we just, we had a church family, but nobody was moving. I was moving. So um, they just say, they're going to pray for me. If I need support, I am. But they, that's, that's all they did. Um and it was, and plus I didn't disclose everything. I wouldn't call my mom like, mom, I'm sleeping on the couch. Like, nah, we just had to get it in. At that point I was 21. I made my decisions. Like in the, the day, that's the thing about business or whatever. I mean, you can make a lot of bold decisions and take risks, but there's consequences sometimes you got to live with. So I had to live with that. So I had, I took it on the chin early in the game. I was like, yo, I'm gonna live with it. Um, to a default at times, I didn't accept a lot of help, but I mean, that's just, that's just the way I was living. So when you see interns that you brought in to the business graduating before you and people are like, Yo, what are you doing? Where was your mindset? I mean, that was that was really one of the most. I got to a, a very peaceful place there because that's when I started to understand the world. Like when I had nothing, wearing basically the same thing every day, or whatever. I was still the same person, but it was just different optics, and I saw how people treated me um, and whatnot. And uh, it really thing is, I really live for this. I don't even call, I, I, entrepreneurs is, you say entrepreneur because it's easy to categorize that, but I mean, for what I live, for, for what I do, I really live for it. And I told myself that um, as long as I push the people that believe in me forward faster than I did, then I, I, I succeeded. I said I was willing to die for it. So in that day, watching them graduate, I was proud at, at times like, dang, G, you, you need to graduate. But at the end of the day, I was like, this is what I said I was going to do. I said I was going to um, push them to that next level. I helped get them internships. I helped them get jobs. Like, I said I was going to do that. I did it. Um, and honestly, a lot of that was like, but to be honest, there was there was a little bit of self-sabotaging that too, um, mentally. Like, because I mean, I always knew who I was going to be, but when you get close, you're like, oh, it's like, dang, for, for real? Um, so I think it was a, a little bit of self-sabotage in the fact that for some reason, I was determined to be like, I don't know the, the, the cor- correct name of the Greek mythology, the guy that, that kept flying towards the sun and burnt out. But I said, I, I knew, to be honest, I was going to be a cautionary tale. That guy that he dreamed so hard, he lived so hard that, um, but he didn't make it. But I was going, I was going to inspire others that, yo, to keep moving and doing that. So now that I made it past that, like, really, I'm already, I've already accomplished kind of what I already have wanted. You feel me? So now everything else is icing on the cake. That's why, for the most part, I'm just very happy because um, I gave everything to the culture. Um, we didn't, we didn't. We didn't help thousands and millions with the podcast and stuff like that. So um, now it's kind of a victory lap. And now people are really starting to see what we always believed in. Icarus is the... Uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You're talking about. Um, so, but in that period, right? Like a lot of people who move in the entertainment space, media, they have these stories, right? Where you're flying high, things are going well. Uh, but we the profit is, is risky, right? The, a lot of these enterprises, like a lot of times it's like fish, shooting fish in a barrel, and then you get bigger and bigger and bigger. And sometimes you take the leap and it doesn't quite work out, right? So you have a story yeah. like that where you lost a significant amount of money in one night. Tell me about that. Yeah, we lost about 25 grand in one night. Um, and honestly, I, like, I think it was just a mixture of, and in a day, I understood street dudes, but I wasn't a street dude. So we get we, we, there was some stuff, deals made, stuff happened. And... I mean, sometimes, you know, you meet, there's, there's always bigger fish. And it was kind of like, 
it's kind of like, you know, in a, a Finding Nemo, there's one fish, boom, we get eight by another fish, get eight by another fish. And then there's a huge, a, other big fish, you get eight. And we just got eight. We had, we had, uh, there was a lot of, I mean, I maxed out my credit cards, took loans out, took bread from other people. We did all this other stuff to come up. And that's the name of the game in the party motion industry. You 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 put, we, we done had licks where we hit five, 10 grand in a night. Um, That homecoming, I thought we was going to be out of here. I thought we was going to make like a hundred, but it didn't work out. Like everything just went terribly wrong. Um, and the thing is, I was messy too in the end. It's not all, uh, not all they fault. It was just so much money was get. it was just homecoming. It was just then trying to put stuff there, put stuff there. And then you just kept leading, leading, leading up to that final night. That was when Lotus Fly Bomb was popping. So it was Wale. He was going to be at the club, Green Street, et cetera. That, that was the matrix, everything leading to that. And we just didn't, there was some negotiations that I wasn't a part of. And I end up, I was just on the outside looking in. And it was one of the uh, hardest nights of my life, like, after we leaving the club and I realized like, hold up, I lost all that money. So I go back to the, to the, to the crib of my homegirl who was, who I was talking to at the time. And I sat there, I was like, I did have like, I had like a thousand dollars in my pocket of the twenties, but that's it. I was like, yo, like, no, I think I had like 3000 in my pocket. But then in my head, I'm like, yo, I'm dead broke. And I know I, 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 I was in debt, owe people money. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I said, let me just sleep tonight. But I don't know what it's going to be like in the morning. So, yeah, it was a very, very, very challenging, very, very crazy moment. So what was the the impetus for you saying, you know what, I got to get back in school and finish? Um, Because at the end of the day, one, because I, I ended up going back to school and I got I went back to corporate America. So I worked in BAE systems. I, got, I was in a financial management program and I thought I already had I thought I already graduated. Like I had like one class, I had two classes, but for some reason they didn't go through. So I was working in full time. So I was like, man, let me go ahead and finish it. So just in case, because a lot of these corporate companies, be real, they slide with their background checks. They already they are. You already in there. They're cool. So I know I could have just skated, but I was like, well. If I wanted to stay in corporate, because at the time there was a, there was a second I was jaded for entrepreneurship. I was like, no, I'm just gonna follow the route. Cause I know corporate, I'm a beast there. I can I can be the clean cut guy. I understand the lingo, all that stuff. But so I said, let me finish this, let me finish my degree so that if it ever, if I ever continue to rise, they can be like, oh, he didn't graduate. So that's why I did I have completed it online. We just had to complete it. I only had two classes anyways. So I just completed them online. Yeah, and we we've heard this story recently of particularly students at HBCUs who don't realize until late in the game that they don't have all the credits that they need uh, to actually have their degree conferred. Yeah, <laughs> which is crazy. And that's a whole other conversation. But we've also had people come on. We've had a guest come on who had a similar experience, of got the job, but didn't mm-hmm. tell them that they, they didn't finish their degree um, and worked for years before they actually went back um, yeah. to, to make that happen. But you decided to finish up online. Mm-hmm. You're working in this corporate job. But one thing I know about people who have an entrepreneurial spirit, even if they're jaded, the bug or that hunger for it is always somewhere bubbling underneath the surface. So when did you decide, like, when was that like revived for you where you said, you know what, like this corporate thing is cool, but I don't think this is where I'm supposed to be long term. I think the first day I first day I got on a job um, and for me, it was never it's never been an entrepreneurship thing. It's always been a legacy thing. It's always been a legacy because business, I don't even see myself as even a business guy. I don't move like a lot of people in the business. I don't I ain't about bottom line because it was about bottom line. I would have been selling master classes for the podcast or would have had sponsorships. I would have been. Uh, hey, guys, here's five things. And no offense to people to do that. I know a lot of people in the industry to do that, make a lot of money. It's, it's always been about um, how how I want to move in the energy, how I want to remember. And then the leg, when I walked in first day. I was talking and then I was looking around and I was like, I'm here, but I ain't really celebrated. I'm kind of tolerated. 
it was like, I probably hit a number. I was a black kid, look good on paper. I know. So when, when they had the photos and diversity and inclusion, I was going to be, hey, Greg Kill, what's your story? Well, I love BAE system. So I was like, then I was like, I know when I go to school, when I talk to kids, like I'm a unicorn. And they're they excited. They get excited to see me. I could tell my story. Me, me, me just graduating from college is huge in my city. And I was like, it's, it's a general excitement. So I said, yo, nah, I, I need to always be where I'm really big on because I know, I mean, my, my family has a, a history of mental illness. So, I mean, I'm, I diagnose I'm a depressive. So I'm really big on the environment. But I was like, nah, nah, I need to be a place where they like, they really need me. I knew the schools needed me. Um, so that I already, like the first day I applied. And plus I was in York, Pennsylvania. Nothing's in York, Pennsylvania. So I had a lot of time to reflect. I was running. I was, that's when I really got into marathon running. I was running five miles every morning at 430. I mean, a negative 27, negative one degree. We were running, um, doing marathons. Some, some, some Saturdays I wake up on 20 miles, listening to no rap music. I was always listening to instrumentals, alternative music, et cetera. So my mom was stretching. I was reading books. So that whole year is kind of like, I knew I was going to leave after one year, one and done. That's all I would think about, one and done. I'm going straight to the league. And that's what we did. You know, what's interesting, you mentioned looking good on paper and knowing how to play the corporate game with the lingo, et cetera. This is something that I think needs to be discussed more, particularly with so much focus on diversity and inclusion. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, because companies, they find a candidate like you who Mm -hmm. meshes with the culture very well. And they're like, look, look at us, right? Like, and, and they hold you up as the exemplar of the kind of diverse candidate that they want. Now, being able to navigate corporate America is a skill and mm-hmm. there's some parts of it that are necessary. But one of the things I'm really passionate about is companies really taking time uh, to not just gravitate to the one or two black folk who fit the bill for what they think is acceptable in terms of diversity and doing the work with the kids, the college students who might be a little bit rougher around the edges, but can be groomed into acceptable, quote unquote, candidates that can really thrive in those environments. And I mean, as someone who has most certainly benefited from looking good on paper and knowing how to navigate that whole world, um, I understand there's a privilege in that, right? The the education that I've had and the ability to articulate. um, But I'm I'm, one of the things that I'm passionate about in terms of the work that we do with this show, um, the work that we do in the nonprofit, DeMarcus and I, is changing the narrative and mm-hmm. helping people navigate that world and also educating companies to know that there's some great candidates out there. They just may need, may need a little bit more grooming uh, mm-hmm. than, than where you're going at the Morehouse or the, you know, the Spelman or, or things like that. Uh, but moving mm-hmm. back into your personal story, you mentioned that you've been diagnosed as manic depressive. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think we really got to be clear and talk with our family, even if sometimes, especially as black folk, talk with our family, like what, what really runs in our family? Like, and you start, I just start looking, I was like, yo, look, one of my, one of my aunts, I think, I don't know her real story. I think she could have committed suicide to be real, um, but um, she died. And then I looked at some other traits that I seen from other people and I'm like, hmm. And then even my own, even growing up, like how, I re, how, I, how would I react to certain things and how I can be closed, I could be really closed off, like really like, dramatically like I'll be as a kid just go in my closet and just sit down for hours and hours and then then it, but it really didn't dawn on me and I think it was triggered from a traumatic from the traumatic experience at ANT I've always had certain signs but then once I had that it's like my head my like my mind split like I had a whole year that's why I had a whole year as a grown person without a phone I didn't have a phone I didn't have no communication like I only communicated via email I couldn't talk with people on the phone. Like I was really, when I was at my people's house, I didn't talk to anybody. 
I don't talk to my parents. I didn't talk. I would just own on it. And this is a grown man. After this is a guy that I had 500 missed text messages or whatever. I was that guy that had all this other stuff. Everybody had, was accessible to not at all. And there's been multiple times in my life like that at 25. Sometimes last year when I just isolated myself. So I always have these. That's why I'm very particular about my environment. I'm very particular about wording, about things like that. Um, because I just know what can trigger and get me off balance. So it can be a lot to deal with. That's why, especially in dating relationship, people are like, yo, oh, you look good on paper. Oh, he's doing all this stuff. Like, nah, nah, like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Uh, there's definitely baggage. Of course, just anybody, if you're 30 and you're single, there's got to be something's up, you feel me? So it's not something bad, but it's just, it is what it is. But for me particularly, I'm like, yo, it, a, a lot comes with it because I really am meticulous about stuff. You say you're going to call me back, you don't. Okay, that's that's not that's not gonna work unless you like, hey, my bad, blah blah blah. But certain things I just don't let slide because I know that that disrupts my peace, and I'm really big on like being impeccable about your word to a certain degree and things of that nature. So yeah, um, on that, yeah, just figuring out what really runs in your family, um, and then also too, just like understanding and and, and getting help when you need it. Yeah, and I think it's important. I brought that up because. I think there's more conversation happening in the Black community around mental health and getting the help that you need. But there still is some stigma, right? And people are not inclined to discuss their struggles or their relationship with therapists. What drives you to be open about it? Um, I'll be honest. I still, I I start off with a therapist and I'm working on getting another one. Um, Me, to be real, and I don't follow this advice. If anybody, I really just, I, my therapist was the word um, and really understanding myself and kind of analyzing my own triggers. I know the next level of where I need to go to, I am getting therapy. I'm really going to get the professional boy. But until I get the professional boy, I had to do some digging myself because I'm not going to put, I'm not putting my hands, my life in the hands of somebody else to, to fix. It ain't, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't how I move. Cause what if the, like, what does it even look like? Oh, therapist? Nah, uh-uh. We just going, a lot of it, you got to analyze, analyzation of self. And for me, I just had to really get clear. All right. I'm like, okay, what, what, what makes me this? What makes me that? So I'm, that's why I'm really particular. I know myself. That's why I'm really particular. I used to think that I'm for everybody. I'm not for everybody. Um, I can't get along with everybody. Uh, I'm not going to work with everybody. Um, and that's okay. So, yeah. And, uh, and I got to be honest about it because, I mean, I built my whole platform, my whole life on just being, being direct. Like I, I, like I think around 2011, I said, nah, I'm not going to sell just highlights. That ain't me. Uh, we're going to see everything. And I made that decision, one, because I was moving into the space of being like a quote-unquote public figure, all that other stuff. But I said, I never wanted anybody to meet me and be like, oh, he's not, that's, not who, that's not who I thought it was. At the end of the day, who you, who you see online, that's really who I am at all places. So I said, when I die, when, when, my, when my number's called, nobody going to say, oh, man, like, no, nah, he was, I want people to say he was who he said he was. That's it. Absolutely. So shifting back to your professional journey, you made the leap, mm-hmm. left corporate America. Yep. How mm-hmm. did you launch your entrepreneurial journey from that point? I'm really big on following the benchmarks. And when I was learning I, my personal development journey, I, that's when I got into podcasts and I, I found out about like Marie Folio, Michael Hyatt's, a lot of white people that are doing stuff on a high level. And so I took their courses. Um, I learned, I already had a natural inclination of marketing and business because I did join me in the team for four years and we designed our own flyers. We had our own aesthetic. I knew how to storytell, but learning, um, going to them, I learned about WordPress. Um, I learned about um, how to crop your photos and do ads and make sure it's layered right. So I just got to, I went to the people that was already doing good in this, in the space. And I just followed a model. I followed the blueprint. So that's kind of how I kind of got my feet wet. And I said, Hey, I need a platform at the time. Podcasting was not 
black people didn't even know what a podcast was. So I said, oh, let me jump on that. Um, and that's why we were able to become one of the pioneers in the podcasting game for black people because nobody was there. We kind of created a frontier. Um, I'm proud. I mean, I'm proud to really say I had a footprints in a lot of podcasts that's popping now. Um, there's even even kind of, to be honest, not as far as impact, but as far as digital numbers, it far surpassed mine. And we was kind of, uh, um, it's like I gated in the game a certain thing. I'm, I, I see certain, like myself in people's courses, like they got course. I'm like, bro, like I didn't even know you was in my course. You didn't let me know I was in the courses crazy to me still to this day but um but yeah yeah yeah. like i just knew i needed a platform that's why i started the, the podcast but my first endeavor was being a speaker um i i listened to will smith's will smith's words of wisdom you check if you ain't if you ever seen that gotta look that words of wisdom and i was like yo i'll be saying the same thing to my friends and i, I researched oh they, that's what they make and then of course the og et i, I listened and i saw bad as you want to if you can see as bad as you want to breathe we had similar stories to a certain degree and being homeless and things of that nature so i was like yo I can do that too. I'm a great storyteller. I got great energy. I can do that. Um, so that's what we, that's what we did. So we started with the speaking thing. Um, I knew I needed a platform as a speaker. I wasn't a celebrity. I didn't go to Harvard. So I was like, hmm, let me just start a podcast and then the rest is history. So it's one thing to have a desire to be a motivational speaker. It's a, you know one thing to write a book or start a podcast. It's a whole other endeavor to monetize that. So now you've left your job. So how did you get to the point where you're like, this is financially viable for me? Um... I tell young guys all the time, like, you know, stack your money. I would, if I know it or now, I wouldn't change anything, but if I would, if I thought I would change something, I probably would have stacked like 20, 25, 30 grand and then jump or 50. I had like 10 grand to my name and we started. In the first six years, we didn't make no money like that. We made little, I mean, little money, 20 grand, 50 grand, sometimes a year. Um, I kept jumping into corporate, out of corporate. In the, like, I, I worked at Duke DCRI for a year. Um, I taught for a year, which was a phenomenal experience. Um, shout out to Hillside High School, Dr. Logan, I love y'all. Um, what else I did? What else I did? I taught for a year, did DCRI, uh, graded papers. So anything, anything that can keep money coming. And while I just continue to develop my skill set, build my base, because I knew that for me, I was building long-term people I wanted to have a cult following. I didn't care about being popular. I wanted people that really roll with. So I knew it was going to take a long term because even the podcast play, that was never to like sell merch, do a, like create mastermind course or whatever. It was always to, to, to build a network, but also to be able to add value to the network. And once I kind of figured out how to market and people say, yo, my episode, like people reaching out to me from all over the country, whatever, you could be that person to add value to people. Like I didn't care about people posting you was on my podcast, but I'm going to figure out how to market your story. And then once leading in stuff started going viral, some of my Facebook stuff started like getting real traction. People really was like, yo, you rock with G Hill, you're going to get put on. And I knew at the end of the day, and it's, it was it's been a seven year journey. There was going to be a point where now when I really wanted to go big boy bread mode, I could because I mean, to be frank, I know I don't I don't dang near everybody to a certain degree. I did alpha, I did MLT, SEO, then the podcast, MLT SEO, that's dang near 100 percent of the Ivy League NBA program. That's that's it. Alpha, that's dang near everybody. And then the podcast is every that's that's anyway from high school, the chancellors, et cetera. So now my network is just I, I don't know too many people that got the network that I really do. And we just getting started. But the thing is so Go ahead. And the last thing I say, the thing is, the only difference between me and a lot of cats, and I, and I respect a lot of cats, is this, I'm a real dude. I'm a real one to the thorough. So once I knew I really got to the bag, which we kind of finally got to this year, um, we gonna let we really going to let the, the culture in. It's not, no, oh, I'm just letting the blue check crowd in. I'm going to let people in. No, if I know your work character is like that, you've been rocking me for a year, or oh, we out of here. So now that you've found your rhythm a little bit um, in terms of monetizing, what's your vision for the Minority Trailblazer podcast? <sighs> um. 
the crazy thing is, and I, I'm gonna release some stuff over the next uh, over the next couple of weeks. My biggest thing I do, me and my me and my brother, we got a, um, a web production company which is doing phenomenally well. Um, unfortunately, COVID has been bad for a lot of people, a lot of business, etc. But I mean, to be honest, it's really tripled our business. Well, so we do um, virtual web production for Fortune 100 companies, do their like learning and development, etc. So that's a huge just numbers are crazy with that. And then I do uh, digital engagement consulting. So I do that for companies, help them tell their story digitally. Um, and we just kind of like a media production company. We do it all. Um, we can do logo, we can do from logos, websites, demand, bargaining, all that stuff. We can do that at a high level, only really working with some, 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 uh, great nonprofits and bigger clients. So that's been going well. So the last thing is the last thing, one, some of the most important thing is the minority trailblazer podcast that's coming back November, the first week in the first Thursday, of November. Um, and it's this season. I mean, shoot, I haven't released no episodes, but we got like 30 in the chamber and they all heat rocks 20 on video in person up to 20 in person, 10 over the, over Skype and the rollout that we're going to have with it. Cause now I got the 4k cameras. I got, we got, we got a freaking Ursa. Like my man got an Ursa. We got cinematic stuff. So the next stuff we drop in, I mean, now the first six years it was for, it was for, it was for the city um, and the culture, but just letting the next, the, the run we about to go on is for the world. Got it. So describe a time when you had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Um, Today, every day. We woke up. Um, we just was in Texas for a week. I was with my family and with my with bros. We woke up. Um, got 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 my miles in. Um, had a little time with God. Not as much time as I probably needed with God. So I need to figure that out. Um, but but I guess I'll get to a specific moment. I think um probably like last week, we had three sessions in for my web production. I had one at 2:30 a.m., 2:30 a.m. to like 6 a.m. Then one from 9 a.m. to 11:30 a.m. So while doing a session, I did a live podcast with my home, my homie EJ Carry On. Then also while doing a live podcast with EJ, I did I got a um, I have a, a whole month of entrepreneurs coming to speak to my old middle school. So I introduced them all. So I'm introducing them, doing a live podcast, doing a session. After that, me and me and E, we went out, uh, went out for drinks. It was cool, boom. And then we got some rest and we was back on the road at 8 a.m. to do two more interviews. So it's like it was a regular day. But I mean, my days aren't really regular. That's why it's kind of weird because I'm in a space now where people my age, they always knew I was on, but they don't really know what I really, the other stuff I do. So I don't, my schedule is really weird. So I'm not, I'm never, I'm big time people, whatever, but really I just live a weird life. Um, it's just different, not weird, but different. So it's like, um, but this is what I asked for. I really always ask for this. It hasn't always been like this. People don't really know. 2019, all I did for a whole year, and that's a whole nother podcast, and it's because there's so much baked into that. I literally, for almost a whole year, all I did, I woke up, I went to the library and watched boxing stuff. Like for a whole year, almost six to nine months. Cause I felt at, at 30, I was like, like, I gave everything I got to business and stuff wasn't working. I was still broke. I was like, yo, like I didn't stuff that went viral. We didn't put on the culture. We didn't did deals at Amazon. We were making about four to five grand speaking uh, engagement. However, it's like, well, shoot, you can make 10 grand speaking, but if you back, you down 20, then you ain't up. So it's like, I'm on this roller coaster guy. Like, what can I do? And then this year, like, we ain't make no, no money for like four months. And then this year, at, at one point, everything changed. It was like one day, my boy got like a six figure contract. He said, GQ, you do half of it? Yeah, boom. Then business triple. So, boom, yeah, what's 150 on the board? Then we get this, so whatever. Then you go from zero to maybe, maybe we can, if we really lock in, we could probably do a quarter mil. Who knows this year? Uh, in, in a year calendar. So that is so stuff just changes fast. And that's all through God. But now, like I said, once they let a real dude in the door, and I was like, yo, you gave me my first 10. Now we can see six. 
oh, no, we out of here because I'm putting the community on my back. We got to, we just signed a 50 grand a dime with A&T. Like, I don't play with this. Like, I don't. Um, that's why when I ask God for a lot, I'm going to give a lot. I'm going to give more than what I get. So you follow that principle, you out of here, you good. I hear you. So before we let you get out of here to get on with your your day, can you plug the books that you've written? Yeah, remember you're a genius. Uh, nobody will ever be able to get a contact of that. I only made 100 copies of that. That was my first book. I was intentional. I was like, yo, I wanted that to be like a one-of-one. Like people in like 20 years, like, yo, like, because literally I don't even have a copy. <laughs> like for real, I don't have a copy. I don't know. It was like this day, there was this day. It was only for my real day ones. Like uh, I put it out there, first 100 people. I said, That's just, there's never going to be more than 100 copies made. Had spelling errors, all that stuff. But I still don't know. I, there might be like maybe 10 copies still in rotation. Uh, really that people have. It's crazy. And then Remember Your Genius again. That's on Amazon. That book, we did 100 for the first book. I think we did a couple thousand for Remember Your Genius. Remember You're a Legend. That's the next book I'm working on. Um, I don't know when it's coming out yet. I just got to figure out some time. That's probably coming out in either December 2020 or 2021. But that's all that's on Amazon, greggyhill.com backslash or just go to greggyhill.com. You can find it or type in Greggy Hill. Remember Your Genius again on Amazon. You'll find it. Um, it's a phenomenal book, like for real, for real. It's very personal. Very, 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 very real to the point, very blunt. Um, and yeah, it just captures space of time I'm in. To be honest, I look at some of the advice I gave in that book at 25, I probably wouldn't follow at 30. You feel me? I was giving dating advice. I'm like, gee, what the get out of here, dude. What don't don't follow that. I learned a lot. No, but for anybody that's really struggling or even not struggling, you just you just want some real stuff, like real gritty things with, with a purpose. Uh remember your genius again. And where can people find you online? Uh Greggy Hill, everything Greg. E. Hill, everything Greggy Hill, um, dot com, on Instagram, um, on Facebook, just Google search, you'll find it. Oh, on Spotify, I got some motivational albums too that I didn't promote. Like, it's, there's so much stuff, because I mean, <laughs> I just create so much stuff. The stuff I, I can't, I haven't really even really promoted yet. So, um, yeah, man, just get ready. Like, any, yeah, this, we everywhere. So, we want to plug the date one more time first Thursday in November. The yeah. Podcast return. Mm hmm. Minority on all on all outlets, I presume. Oh yeah, yeah. On on, on everything. What is that? Let's see. Uh, Thursday, November fifth. We go on W November Digital. 5th. November fifth. Oh man, it's gonna get it's it's, it's just think of dun, 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 dun. it's just the return. We took a year and a half off, so um, we coming with it is nothing but five, nothing but hits, nothing but hits. So I'll be tuned in. I definitely want to see what you've come back with to our listeners. Make sure that you check out. Minority Trailblazer podcast, all the other work and content that Greg has put out there. Support him. We know we are nothing without the support of our audience and listeners. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to this podcast if you've enjoyed it. And remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December26.